Hello there, secret keepers. Speak to most TCG players and they will tell you that Magic the Gathering is the first ever battle card game. And they would be wrong. <laughs> there are much older, more classic card games that Magic may or may not have been based upon called Cuddle. And we have Ryan Imberling. Did I say that right, Ryan? You did. Excellent. Of Cuddle.cars to tell us all about turning this forgotten relic into a modern classic, as well as what it is like to face off against the Richard Garfield. That and so much more on today's episode of the Mega Moth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Shh. Please don't tell anybody about it. Wouldn't dream of it, Joel. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Secret Keepers. I'm your host, Ronin Game Designer, in search of my simp, uh, Seppi Senpai, Joel Watts. Not joined, as always, by Danny. He is away for the moment, but he might be joining us later in the episode. But I am joined by our special guest today, Ryan Emberling, a.k.a. Elf... Uh, wait, how do you spell it? I say it. Aleph One. Aleph One. It's a Hebrew letter on, and a math symbol. <laughs> on discord yeah. how's your day going ryan it's going well yeah we're uh cool. just getting over about a covid in this house so like being yeah. on the tail end of that pretty stellar i'll say it's always good to be on the end of a sickness like those first few days after you're not sick anymore and you feel like oh i feel like a superhuman because i'm just normal yeah yeah it's liberating and kind of a chance to like wonder mm -hmm. at the mundane and every day which is yeah. uh, always nice yeah, did you yourself succumb to it, or was it just uh, people in the household? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, but my case is pretty mild overall, so mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing well. Plus, it's Wednesday night, which means Wednesday night cuddle, and that's always sort of a, a boon, as it were, a jewel in the middle of my week. Yeah, we're starting a little early, and that might be why Danny's running. Uh, you know, Danny would be on time normally, but we got to we got to get started early because you do have Wednesday night cuddle, just like we have Tuesday night X. Uh, I think it's a you know, great minds think alike, I would yeah. like to think on this. Uh, yeah, bringing your community together at one time instead of it just being like, well, play whenever you can. It's made a huge difference. I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, it's been your experience as well. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would say the the sort of inception of regular event times for the cuddle community has been totally transformative of the um, the community really at large and our ability to play the game, which is fundamentally what um, Cuddle.Cars is all about. Uh, okay. For initially, when the site launched, as you sort of indicated, it was just possible to play asynchronously or not asynchronously, but to kind of see who's around at any mm -hmm. given random point. Um, yeah. And it wasn't for a, a while, maybe a few months, somewhere, maybe four to six months, something along those lines, that... Um, I, I started sort of a weekly event to just gather anybody who would want to play um, yeah. so that we could have a regular time to sort of do our thing. And just the the sort of certainty that if you showed up at that time, you were guaranteed to be able to play this game mm -hmm. um, was totally different than what it had been before, which was always just a shot in the dark at any random moment to see who's around. And yeah. That's since definitely then, been our experience, too. Yeah. 
And something yeah. super cool is that the community mm -hmm. then grows and it has for us. So like the Wednesday mm -hmm. night event is bigger. We've got a Thursday one as well now, which mm -hmm. is at a different time zone that helps with people like in different international time zones. Um, and now that we have more people playing overall, it's also more practical to find a game outside of those event times. Mm -hmm. So because more event... people know how to play the game and yeah. they know where to go. They've they've been indoctrinated. They've been they've gone through yeah. the tutorial with you yeah. and your, yeah. your cohorts. Well, we can definitely get way into the weeds on that here in just a moment. But let's start let's start with the small stuff. And um, you know, so before we dig into the mysterious origins of cuddle, I do have two questions for you. First one is, are you ready for the question of the week? As ready as I'm going to get. <laughs> well, the second one is the question of the week. So lucky you. Uh, so Cuddle, we're going to get into what Cuddle is here in a moment. But one thing I can tell you that it is, is it's a card game played with a standard deck of cards. Like, you know, the 52 cards that you would play uh, Go Fish or Poker or Solitaire with. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, yeah, right there. I thought I'd ask you, you know, for the two of us. And if Danny, when Danny joins us, I'm going to get his take on this. But I wanted to know, what is your favorite suit and a standard deck of cards? And I do have some history here if you want me to go through that before you answer. Some I'm going to shoot from the hip, I suppose, okay. in ignorance. Okay. And then I'd, I'd be curious to be educated after my, mm -hmm. uh, my sort of unfiltered response. I mean, perhaps mundanely, I'll say I'm drawn to spades. Um, spades. Certainly in Cuddle and also most other games that I've played... Uh, that have a suit ranking spades are the mm -hmm. the best and yeah. so it's it's particularly satisfying to like have the high version of a card where that's mm -hmm. appropriate um i think yeah, the, cool. ace, the ace of spades is named you know yeah. is name dropped a lot because it is the top of the top card exactly it's totally iconic okay. and in cuddle the ten of spades is like the beef stick it's the biggest baddest point card that nothing can scuttle which is is pretty cool yeah too. You, you have that. That almost enables your strategy um, for going for, like, a big win. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I was just going to go, since you answered already, I'm going, I am going to go over some of the research I did, which is, and I knew this from my game design in the past when I was mm -hmm. actually designing. We'll get into the whole I designed a cuddle deck too thing. But uh, the hierarchy of, the, the, the suits were based on the hierarchy of medieval society, and either mm -hmm. they came after, uh, this is all, like, you know, this is all, you know, I don't know how many sources you can find on this. This is just passed down wisdom. Um, but it is either developed, I think, either based on the tarot deck or in conjunction with it. And mm -hmm. so you have, what, spades, which are represent swords, nobility, the military. Uh, it's, it's swords and tarot. Uh, hearts, a chalice mm -hmm. and tarot, uh, representing clergy. Diamonds mm -hmm. is coins, merchants. Um, and then um, clubs, batons, peasants. Um, I, and of course, clubs, I believe is the lowest suit and, and cuddle of spades is. is the top clubs is yeah. the bottom. Yeah. So it kind of really does respect that. I think I have to go with hearts. I think in a different times, a different timeline, or if I was, the, if I was born a few generations previous, I would have probably been somebody who might've thought of the clergy as a, a way to go with my, um, you know, with where I took my life and, you know, sometimes it's still, I still hear it calling. Uh, but more so, I also associate it with the chalice um, from hmm. um, the tarot deck, and I have been in 
food and beverage in my past. And I really am actually one of the few people who gravitates towards customer service work because I really enjoy making people happy. So I guess I associate it with the idea of like, oh, you know, we have this great banquet hall and we're here to serve everybody so they have a good time. And I'm sort of always, cool. you know, drawn to that. Plus, let's yeah. face it, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. So hearts is my answer. Very nice. Kind yeah. Like Hufflepuff vibes. I am very much a Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gryffindor? Yeah, it shows. I don't I suppose <laughs> it, that feels like a cop out of an answer. I, I don't consider myself particularly brave. Okay. I, I feel like Slytherin could be interesting if it weren't so like unredeemably just bad. I, any, I know. It's all the jerks have, go to Slytherin. It's not cool. I, I have an opinion to, to, to like sort of share. Uh, it's like a, off the, you know, since we're talking Harry Potter, since we're talking schools, yeah. I feel like they need, if they're going to do anything else with Harry Potter, they need to do the next generation, first of all, mm -hmm. not go back into the past. And they need to do the Avatar, the last airbender version, where instead of it being all the heroes come from one house, it needs to be mm -hmm. all, Rotate. each house has a hero that comes together. And that way they can redeem Slytherin kids because they shouldn't, you know, you know who I think of as Slytherin? Well, that one is a charged answer. I would say that anybody who goes into politics is probably a little bit of a Slytherin, mm, even if they yeah. go in for the right reasons. You know, John F. Kennedy, <laughs> sure. he, he appears as a Gryffindor, but wasn't he really a Slytherin? You know, that's sort of, yeah. 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 I think it just should be the really pedantic, like, you know, like I want to play politics, you know, a little bit of a silver tongue kid. And yeah. it shouldn't be, the, they shouldn't be evil and yeah. racist. <laughs> At least not. Every time, right? A bit of exactly. diversity would be valuable, yeah. I'd probably uh, yeah. Go Ravenclaw, I would mm -hmm. think. Like, I've got an uh, affinity for uh, abstractions. I can hide behind silly little, you know, games and theorems kind of stuff. So, Well, considering the that. work that you've done for Cuddle, I would yeah. consider you a Ravenclaw as well. That actually crossed my mind when, uh, when I was, uh, when I first said Gryffindor, I was yeah. like, wait one second. Ever dreamed of embarking on legendary quests, unlocking hidden secrets, and discovering untold riches? Dive into the world of X, Seekers of Fortune. It's the game that's soon to be taking the internet by storm. Sign up today at xseekersoffortune.com and start your journey to greatness. Remember, fortune favors the bold. See you there. Now we can kind of get into talking about all that work you've done for Cuddle, but let's, let's rewind a little bit now that the question mm -hmm. of the week is behind us. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, you have done a lot of work in making this, like, I would say somewhat forgotten game, you know, a game that could have easily just yeah. sort of faded into the background. You've done a lot of work in bringing it back, but that work starts with your love of games. So I wanted to know, like, when did you first start playing games and what are some of those first games that you would play with your family? So, mm -hmm. you know, something interesting about that is it kind of begs the question, what is a game? I've been thinking about this mm -hmm. recently and... The bar, I suppose, for what I have historically considered a game over time had sort of moved, as it were, such that things like, you know, catch or, uh, I don't know, just like running around imagining things, I wouldn't really consider mm -hmm. games generally. Um, and thinking back, I mean, there's games like War and mm -hmm. Candyland are some of the first that I remember playing. And there's mm -hmm. definitely been a period in my life where I've thought, like, those aren't even games, right? That's just mm -hmm. a simulation or it's, it's a machine that you sort of watch play out in front of you. It's almost like a movie that you get to 
interacted with in some sense, but not meaningfully because there's no decisions made. Um, mm -hmm. And at, at the same time, though, now, now that I'm a parent and I'm like looking at ways to see about my child's interest in games and, and getting her mm -hmm. to play various things, I'm like way more interested in war and all of these things that I'm like, ah, they, they aren't strategically interesting. It's like if, if she's into them, they're really great at sort of introducing you to various concepts mm -hmm. in that way. Learning how to match things like recognize which number is bigger and physically holding cards and things like that are actually skills that they're kind of useful starter games for, which I think is pretty cool. Um, we're talking games of substance, as it were, where decisions are made. One of the earliest I remember learning is Rummy, which uh, I played growing up a whole lot. It was like Rummy and Cribbage were, were probably my two biggest card games that we played in the family. Okay. Rummy with my mom and Cribbage with my dad um, and both with my sister. And I, mm -hmm. I still enjoy Cribbage quite a bit. Rummy, I'm a little less interested in at this point because there's such a, uh, like, there, there comes a point, especially in Gin Rummy, where you're just drawing a card and you're waiting to see, like, is this the card I need? No. Is mm -hmm. this the card I need? And, like, whoever gets there first wins, which is kind of yeah. a boring part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's still nostalgic, I suppose, in a way. And for sure, if my kid wanted to play, I would gladly teach her, because oh, yeah. anything that way, I suppose. Yeah, we have to remember, and develop, and especially in childhood development, you almost need to be introduced to, like like you said, the simulation of a strategy game right. before you can actually take the next step to a strategy game. You have to be like, you have to get to that point where you're like, wait, there, I'm not making any decisions here in war, and I want to make decisions, and that's what spurs you to go to the next thing. Um, I will also say I really would love to solve war, and I think that's a good one mm. to go back to to try to make a new game out of. I see, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but we did base a little bit of how X Seekers of Fortune works on uh, Rummy. That was like one of Danny's mm. uh, big things when he first came to me. He was like, it's it's kind of like a Rummy-like game. And then I did research into, you know, what Rummy was and how it played and made sure to, you know, tie that in. But the idea of like, you can either draw the from the top of the sets. deck, get matching sets and drawing from the top of the deck or taking or your discard. rival's discard. Yeah. That's Rummy's cool, a one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, right? There's a few variants, actually. Okay. I played mostly Rummy 500 where uh -huh. you're just um like the shtick with rummy right is you're making matching sets in your hand and then you put the cards down and there's different mm -hmm. flavors of how that works when you, you make it sets of three or runs of three or more usually and mm -hmm. um with rummy 500 just whenever you score basically you you draw back and you sort of keep playing until somebody is able to um fully go out of cards but it happens over time like you put some points down and then you, you draw one card um or i guess you draw and then you put some down but eventually somebody runs out and then the round stops uh, and so every you can have probably two to six or so i would guess people play that that way um so i play usually with my mom and my sister and then gin yeah. rummy is the big like two-player version I see. Yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, that you know that would be considered the classic version. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's okay. where you have to lay everything down all at once. So you get like a whole hand of only matching melds. They're called, I think, like mm -hmm. of three of kinds or, or straight flushes essentially, and then you plop them all down and you win. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I've seen. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I've played Jim Rummy before, but I used to have a couple mm. who came into one of my uh, one of the places I was a table server at 
and they would come in they to see a movie. It was a movie theater, and they would come in well before the movie and play round after round of gin rummy uh, with each other. I, I found that to be very endearing, like that they shared that with them with each other, and you know that's yeah. always nice to see a couple. The couple that plays together stays together. Um, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. I, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this answer for myself since it could have been the question of the week, and the the game mm-hmm. that stuck in my head is like, oh, I remember playing that, but I have no idea how it was played was Old Maid. Did you ever play that one? I also remember playing it a fair bit and not much about mm-hmm. how... But I, I think you each hold up your hand and then you pick a card from somebody else. Uh-huh. I think that was the thing. And you're trying to avoid the Queen of Spades, I think, who's the Old Maid. And I think none of the other cards even matter. I think it's all... I, I could be wrong about that, but I feel like all you're trying to do is not pick the Queen of Spades the whole time. Okay. Know. And I, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I thought it at least had a little bit of a go fish element where you were also trying to pluck mm. out matching cards and putting them maybe in it front of be. you. But it could be that I've melded the two games uh, together. Yeah, I, I also wonder. had a, I had a special deck for it. You know, speaking of the, hmm. we'll speak about special decks later. But I had a special deck for it that actually, it wasn't just the Queen of Spades. It was like there was a card that was called the Old Maid, and she was in your yeah. hand. Or, and she was right. illustrated. And I think the rest of the cards were illustrated, you know, in a fun way for children. Um, cool. But you played, you know, like Jim Rummy, you played, you played mm-hmm. some more, you played all these games, but eventually you found the game that we're here to talk about, which is Cuddle. Yeah. Can you tell us how you found Cuddle, how you first started playing Cuddle, and how long you played Cuddle sure. for, at least that first go around? Yeah. So at this point, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think, but it, I've, been playing for about 10 years so i learned in 2013 um and my sister and i were at our grandparents house and we were um hanging out like looking to play cards and bored frankly of playing lots and lots of rummy and cribbage essentially and so we wanted something new to try and we went to the site pagat um p-a-g-a-t dot com which is like Mm -hmm. a, a card game encyclopedia and just looked at the list of card games from A to Z. And we were scrolling all the way down. We hit Cuddle, and we were like, that's a funny name. Let's give that a shot. Uh, two players, great. And we tried it, and like immediately we're hooked. Like, whoa, this is amazing. This is more fun than any other card game we've played, basically. Mm-hmm. And we've grown up playing card games. Uh, how have we not known about this? Holy cow. And we were just like playing for hours right mm-hmm. off the cuff. Um, and then we sort of went forth and started proselytizing because it, it's the kind of thing that it's like we were having so much fun playing that we wanted to have more people to play. Like we can't only be able to play each other because then we can only play when we get together. Yeah, so the meta will get friends. Stale. Yeah, yeah. But also just less opportunities to play, yeah. right? Which is sort of mm-hmm. the point of Wednesday Night Cuddle as well. Um, yeah. We wanted to share the game with more people so that we could have people to play with because we liked mm-hmm. to play basically. Um, so I, I've pretty much been playing it since then pretty consistently, although it's only in the past three years or so that uh, I've shifted to playing mostly online. Before that, it was, it was generally with physical cards. Um, and we'd play one-on-one, cutthroat, which is 1v1v1 for three people, and uh, 2v2 physically. I would have and now. 
I haven't had the pleasure of Cutthroat yet. Is that something, uh, not okay. to get too far ahead of ourselves, can you play Cutthroat on your website? Not yet. Um, okay. Someday, I hope to build it in. And I, I need to think a bit tactically about how that fits into kind of the competitive scene, which is totally centered around the 1v1 um, uh -huh. game right now. So yeah. how that works out is not totally clear yet. But um, it's a blast. And I, I'd highly recommend trying it in person. The rules for how you play Cutthroat are on the site. And uh, there's like a multiplayer oh, nice. variant section that describes both Cutthroat and 2v2. They both have a very different feel um from one v one while still very much like being cuddle it, it's super cool okay cool. well why don't we go ahead and slow it down a little bit and why don't you give us your pitch for cuddle i'll, I'll try to interject here and there if i you yeah. know if need be but like we should i guess our audience needs to know how do you play cuddle okay so first perhaps the pitch and then mm -hmm. maybe a bit about the mechanics of how to play i'll okay, say cool. um cuddle is the to my knowledge the oldest known combat card game or battle uh -huh. card game and you play it with a regular deck of cards which kind of democratizes the genre that's something i really mm -hmm. like about it like you can carry around a deck of cards with you and play with anybody who'd like to play with you without needing to like buy special decks or introduce somebody to um like an extremely complicated rule set that's hard to get into um Mm -hmm. So it, it's relatively quick, among the battle card games anyway, to kind of just jump in and start playing. And there's no power creep or, um, you know, like there, there's no uh, asymmetry based on who bought the most expensive cards because you're sharing mm -hmm. one regular deck of cards. Yeah. Um, and it really like refines the genre into the essential tactics, strategy and decision-making under uncertainty that, that you get out of battle card games with none of the sort of thrills that distract from the central, like who can outmaneuver the other person um, yeah. and use. That's a great pitch because I do think that, sorry, um, sorry to interrupt, but like you, you bring up something wonderful there, which is, you know, like often in Magic the Gathering, let's say competitive Magic the Gathering, you sit down at that table, depending on the deck I brought and the deck you brought, one of us might be 30% chance of winning and the other person 70. And it's going to be a real uphill battle, uh, you know, to um, defeat the 70% person, which could be dramatic, but it's also, it's also like, you know, it's like, oh, you brought control and I'm playing aggro. And right now the meta, the control is beats aggro. So, uh, I guess let's play it out, but good, good chance you're going to win and versus cuddle. Like you said, you draw from the same deck, not to seem like I'm pitching or plugging X secrets of fortune too much here, but uh, no, that's one of the things that Danny and I really wanted to bring was the democratization of the battle card game style game into a more, you know, flavorful, you know, art, you know, Magic the Gathering art on cards type of game. But it was, it was mm -hmm. definitely from my time also experiencing um, Cuddle that brought me to that. So that's why you love Cuddle for awesome. great reason. Mm -hmm. You know, can you give, I guess, what's the objective of the game? What is the objective of Cuddle? And hello, buddy, you got a guy behind you. <laughs> yeah, that's Coco. <laughs> Yeah, Hi, Coco. she's she's very sweet. Oh, um, oh her, not the, the lady behind you. Yeah, she is. She is. Oh, yeah. I got I got a single uh, brain cell guy around here. He might pop his head in. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, so the goal of the game is to accrue twenty-one or more points 
um, mm -hmm. before your opponent does. And whoever gets to 21 wins immediately. Um, okay. And you do that by playing cards on your turn. During your turn, you either draw one card from the deck or play one card from your hand. And yeah. there's a few different ways that you can play cards, um, one of which gets you points, essentially, and they stay out unless you can... Uh, unless they're destroyed or disrupted somehow by your opponent. Yeah. And so you're sort of building up a board of points and various sort of auxiliary um, supporting resources and trying to disrupt your opponent by destroying their stuff in this very yeah. scrappy battle, essentially. Which I think that uh, you mentioned the idea that the opponent or you know is trying to disrupt your you're trying to disrupt your opponent yeah. uh, every card i think the important thing to say here is every card can be paid played in the what would you call that i i called it court but you can play it into the point field i don't right. know so yeah i it? generally uh, table? um right the the table or the field are the the okay. two terms that i generally use to describe like cards that are in play essentially yeah um yeah and so there are a few ways to play cards, um, mm -hmm. one of which, it, it, it depends a little bit, um, that ace through ten cards can all be played for points, and they stay out on your field, mm -hmm. on your side of the table, yeah. essentially, um, and are mm -hmm. worth as many points as the rank of the card. So an ace is worth one, a ten is worth ten, etc. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the royals, like jack, uh, queen, king, can also be played as... Um, as permanent cards that like stay out and give you some benefit but instead of points they each give you some separate sort of auxiliary benefit um uh -huh. whereas the other number cards can instead of being played for points be played for a one-off effect where you put the card in the scrap pile of the, the dead or discarded cards and you get a one-time effect like an ace will mm -hmm. destroy all the points for example um yeah. which and, if you if you were to compare it to a match the gathering card it's like basically wrath of god Right, right, yeah. yeah. So using magic analogs, it's sort of like um, you're trying to get enough power among your creatures, essentially, like playing creatures that have 21 or more power. Mm -hmm. And cards, you know, number cards could either basically be played as a creature or as a sorcery for the most part. And then mm -hmm. um, the, the royals are sort of like enchantments that are giving mm -hmm. you some, some benefit. Yeah. If you, if to say the least, if you play Magic the Gathering or other TCG style games, you could probably pick up Cuddle really fast. But yeah. now this is where I go into hypothesis mode uh, and uh, the history of the game. We can probably get into a little bit here. In my yeah. research, it was said that the game probably came up in the 1970s on college campuses, specifically amongst like the math crowd. I don't know how much it spread through there, but that's supposedly where it was most popular. And the thing that I think kept it from becoming uh, sweeping the nation is what you said. Each card, the ace, the two, the three, they all have mm -hmm. different abilities across the suits. All the, you know, all these twos, whether it be club, heart, diamond, or spade, all do the same thing. But you'd have to, at, back in those days, remember what it did yeah. and be able to teach that to somebody and they, they remember what it did. And I think for somebody who was very cerebral, like a, ma a university student in math, that's no big deal, but then trying to make it spread throughout the country, it probably stuttered a little bit and didn't quite uh, flourish the way it could have because of that. Um, and one of the reasons why I think, why, let's face it, why I made my own cuddle deck and the reason that you've made cuddle.cards 
is it makes it so much easier if you, uh, for my deck, I was writing the abilities on the cards and on mm -hmm. cuddle.cards, when you click on a card, it'll remind you what it does. So you can look at your hand, take a moment to read, remind yourself what all the abilities in your hand are, and then yeah. make your decision. And that's a huge difference. And so it's a, like a little piece of technology that we've learned since Richard Garfield came out with Magic the Gathering um, that we can now just put writing on cards to remind people what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's mm -hmm. why I think Cuddle has a chance, especially through your website, in order to you know, gain popularity and be rediscovered, especially by the, yes, especially by the magic, like you said, the magic player who's like, I know I'm a great technical player. I just can't keep up with the meta. What do I do? Maybe go back mm -hmm. to cuddle, simplify yeah. it, bring it back down to the basics. Save just like every great band does, <laughs> you yeah. know, you two in the early 2000s. Right, right. Um, so is there anything else you think you want to tell people about how to play cuddle to sort of like wrap it in a bow uh, so about how to play i mean i would say the the most important thing is to give it a shot essentially see if you like it because there are a lot of people who would be very excited to teach you if you're interested so if you try cuddle out with your friends or um if you come and check out the site and play against ai or, or sort of reach out on the discord to see who's around to play or certainly come to one of our events like Wednesday Night Cuddle or Thursday Cuddle. Um, the player base is incredibly welcoming. And I think we all sort of appreciate that this game was almost lost to time and it's a lot of fun to play. So anytime somebody's like, I don't really get what the cards do or like, I, I want to learn. Is this something that I could do? People are like, yes, we'd love to teach you. Come on, come on in. The water's fine. Um, so if you're and interested, deep. give it a shot. Yes, it and it gets it's deep which i think is a lot of fun um yeah. and if you're interested in playing different styles it's also a really cool bit mm -hmm. which i i think is a lot of fun um let's, let's do a quick call of action in fact i'm going to do this right now for the podcast if you're watching or listening to this podcast right now go to cuddle.cards no.com or anything it's just cuddle.cards correct cuddle.cards okay. that's right go there Look at the look at the site. Figure out how to start a game up and call whoever you play games with. Send them a text message. Hit them up. Send them the link. Get them in there and play your first game now. Pause the show and you can go and play your first game. It's probably not going to take you but ten minutes. And if you're still a little worried about doing it here at the end of the show, we're also going to play a game right in front of you. So you'll get uh, so acclimated. You'll get into those waters and just see how nice and warm and inviting they are. Um, so. You did make cuddle.cards. That's another reason they should go to this website too. You made this site. I'm not going to say it was 100% you, but uh, we can get to exactly how it is and isn't you. But mm -hmm. how much web development experience did you have before you went yeah. into making the site that they're looking at right now? Because they're good um, audience members and good secret keepers. Perhaps a month or so. Um, <laughs> like an embarrassingly, foolishly little. Like I look back at myself you know, 10 years ago, nine, maybe when I started this undertaking. And I think, bless your heart, like you sweet fool. You have no idea what you're sweet getting yourself into. Exactly. I, uh, I basically, I took a few programming courses in college, um, yeah. and had the gist of how to do some code stuff, but no web development. And the whole time I felt like I've never really done anything that allowed me to build something I would really want to use. 
I built like a text-based solitaire game in Python where it would print out where the cards were and you would type what move you wanted to make. And like, I had more fun building it than playing it. And then there was, I just had no idea of how would I make anything like interactable and fun, essentially. Um, and then after college, I crashed at a buddy's place for the weekend one yeah. summer and he showed me the basics of web development, which is what he was doing for work. And I was amazed, like immediately tangible stuff. I can like make things that I can see and interact with like so much fun. And so I made tic-tac-toe in a site called CodePen, which is basically like a little mini playground for making teeny little website things. And that, I don't know, took a few days. And then I made 3D tic-tac-toe, which it didn't look 3D. It was just like mm -hmm. boards stacked on top of each other. The most garish, stupid color scheme you've ever seen. But the thing worked and you could play two people sitting next to each other. That took mm -hmm. maybe three weeks or so. So all in all, we're talking about a month. At which point I thought, great, this is done. I want the next thing to make. And I'm bored of tic-tac-toe because I've just made two tic-tac-toe things in a row. Yeah. Why don't I make something to play a game that I really like to play? I'll make Cuddle. And... It's stupid to make a website where two people have to sit at the same computer in order to play mm -hmm. it. So yeah. why don't I, I'll make something that you could play online. How hard could that be? You said this was hard. about 10 years ago. Yeah, that was about <laughs> 10 years ago. Uh, and, and how long has the site been up and playable? So I would say that it was playable in 2017, or at least a predecessor. It didn't have the, the same domain name. It wasn't cuddle.cards. Okay, but... Uh, yeah, that, that was like the first version that if you loved the game already, knew how to play, and were willing to put up with a heinous user experience made mm -hmm. by a complete amateur, like, you, by God, you could play Cuddle online. And I did at that point. Like, I, that was my goal. I was like, I was living abroad. I didn't have uh, the chance to play much Cuddle with friends. And I was like, I'm going to build a site so that I, I'm going to finish this thing. And then I get to play online. Huzzah! And I, I did, and I had a fair bit of fun with it. Um, but it just looked awful. And the, it, it was very um, confusing how to do it. Like, it didn't really explain the rules to you at all. And you had to drag the cards where you were going to play them. And because I was thinking about it in terms of how I physically present the cards, it, it had everything to do with, like, where you physically dropped the card. And so there were a lot of usability problems with it where like you would accidentally let go too early and now you played that ace for points and you immediately lose. Um, it's like a really common frustrating thing. And so then uh, I went to grad school for oh. educational technology okay. um, where I didn't, I wasn't like taking many classes that were teaching me computer science concepts necessarily. It was mostly focused on like pedagogy and curricular stuff, but applying programming skills, just building stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got a lot better at programming during that. And then afterwards I started working as a designer and then a programmer and a buddy of mine from grad school, Hal Lee, um, reached out and asked about building the, um, like a, a new version of it essentially, or a new user interface that was like more, fun and would let us practice using tools that were kind of applicable to what we were doing at work. Mm -hmm. um, and so that took us about a year to just sort of reskin it with the same fundamental logic engine. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so we, we built that from 20, 
2020 to 2021, I think. And then launched... Yeah, we launched in the summer of 2021. Um, okay. Like July or early August, something along those lines. All right, so we're talking, what, uh, been been playable for about two years now, a little over two years? Yeah, for, for like a yeah. decent version that we could call out of like pre-alpha. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that makes complete sense. I mean, don't they always suggest if you want to learn how to program, you choose something you really want to make and you try to yeah. make it? And that's essentially what totally. you did. You just happened to come back to that early rough thing that you did and, you know, actually brought it up to your skill level. Um, exactly. I think you already, you might've already sort of answered this, but I just want to see if I can get you to extrapolate it a little bit more. Why did mm. you decide to go with a web application versus say, um, well, you said you started around 2013, but yeah, like a mobile app, like on a phone or something like that. Was there any particular reason you went web application? So for the first iteration, it was mostly because I was practicing making web applications. Like I, I just learned the very basics of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And okay. from there, I was like, I like making these. I want to make another one that's more complicated. I'll make this card game, essentially. Um, and when it came to the, the sort of, if we could call it, beta or very early release version um, of the site as we know it now. Um, that was largely motivated by wanting to use tools that I use at work. We have uh, a lot of sort of overlap for um, for the programming nuts and bolts that go into the Cuddle.card site that uh, I also use at my, um, my full-time job at the Assistance Foundation um, mm -hmm. in EdTech. And so it was kind of good technical practice there, but it was really important to us in that version and still going forward that the site work on a phone. So a part of the appeal is like, you can sit down at the computer and play, which for me is like great for something like Wednesday night cuddle, where like, I'm going to be on for a few hours and I'm kind of posting up mm -hmm. and hanging out in one spot. Um, but you can also play on the go on your phone. And that, that still is like a quite smooth experience. And it's a benefit of um, web applications that you, you can sort of have one version of your application that works for both of those contexts pretty well. Great. Yeah, no, that's actually one of the reasons I'm pushing for us to consider doing the web-based application for uh, um, mm -hmm. X of Fortune as well. Just the idea that you can you know, both play desktop and mobile and a desktop person can play a mobile person seems like already right. a big benefit. And then there's not the barrier of entry. You don't have to, you don't have to send somebody, you don't send somebody to a landing page where they click to go and download an application. It's just, they go to mm -hmm. a landing page and they sign in and then all of a sudden they press a button that says play. play. It just seems yeah. like, you know, a lower the stress test. Cause I know like I, for whatever reason uh, I'll go through periods where I'm like no new applications on my phone. I am not downloading any new apps. I don't know if yeah. I'm, if I'm, if I'm the wild one in saying <laughs> that, but I do feel like some people just are like, no, I can't have any more. Even though it's like, uh, sir, this phone could hold easily a few hundred more applications. It's like, no, yeah. no, no, it's, it's full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're not alone. Yeah. Um, well, so since we're still sort of, uh, I, I might should have asked this earlier, but I, uh, before we go into the next topic I planned, I do want to go back to, you mentioned the idea of cuddle lore. 
I've mm. talked a little bit about what I've discovered along the way, but I know that you, you're you also a, a student of Cuddle, maybe, I would hope more yeah. than me. Has there been any big revelations or any of any history or, or rumor that you've heard about Cuddle that you would like to share to maybe spice things up for the audience who is yeah, just hearing about this game for the first time? Yeah. To be honest, it's quite mysterious. I mean, I, I had not heard anything about college campuses or math departments specifically. Um, I'm intrigued by the prospect. I'll say this is a point of dispute. So take what I say as something that is sort of gathering of, um, I mean, I, I can give at best secondhand um, and largely tertiary sources. Um, okay. Or be a secondary and tertiary source. I'm a little fuzzy on the, the terminology. Mm -hmm. But um, the my experience of learning the rules started with the page on Pagat, which is still up and mm -hmm. cites a no longer accessible write-up of the rules, which is, to my knowledge, the oldest known documentation about the rules of Cuddle. That mm -hmm. site was created by someone named Richard Sippy and went up in the mid-2000s, like around... 2005 to 10 somewhere along that those lines um okay. and it's no longer up and in mm -hmm. that write-up richard sippy claimed that he had been playing since the 70s personally mm -hmm. and that now okay. he's like gone and written this up and so there's been some controversy around like well is did richard sippy tell the truth mm -hmm. is cuddle actually that old um, and I've certainly, like, I've met people online who have quite vehemently said, like, I'm not going to believe that Cuddle is that old. It's, it's suspicious because there's overlap with Magic the Gathering and its rules. And mm -hmm. I thought that that overlap was also suspicious in the other direction and that Magic might have been inspired by Cuddle. Well, we can mm -hmm. talk You're more about that You're not the only one. Yeah. Yes, we will. But um, it's a totally fair question. Like, has, is the game really that old? Uh, because if it is from the seventies, then it does, it puts it before basically any other game in that genre, including magic, including cosmic encounter, um, which itself inspired magic directly. And so that, that's really interesting. I think how we don't actually know who invented it. Richard Sippy did not claim to invent it, mm -hmm. um, and doesn't know did not say that he knows where it came from as it were um and so i have been asking people you know as i meet them by trying to kind of develop this cuddle community where they learned the game from and most people that i meet at this point are learning it like through cuddle.cards in some capacity right yeah um and so they're new to the game but now and then i meet somebody who's been playing for a long time like yourself joel um who is like oh haha ha, there's a place where i can play this online like i already knew about this game i like it but now there's a community that's cool um and some of those people have been playing for a pretty long time according to their own um like at least have told me this right so i've met in particular one player that i i play with somewhat frequently still who claims to have been playing since the 80s okay. and another player i met online um in like a reddit thread so i haven't like 
discussed with this person, but who also mm. said that he learned from, or they learned, I, I don't know their gender, um, to play Cuddle from their grandfather in the 80s, but the timeline was fuzzy. And they yeah. don't know where their grandfather learned it from. Yeah, and the grandfather could have learned it as a boy themselves, or they could have learned it in, like, 1979. Exactly. And it's mm. it's certainly possible that, like, Richard Sippy and the the player that I sort of actively play with and the somewhat random person that I met when posting about Cuddle on Reddit um, are not being truthful about the timeline. It's it's plausible. And I, in even that thread where one person was like, I've been playing since the 80s, there were some people who were like, I don't know if it's that old. It sounds like it's made up later. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I, I do believe the people that have said how long they've been playing Cuddle from is, is sort of that old. And even though I haven't met somebody who's themselves says that they've been playing since the 70s and Richard Sippy is no longer contactable and uh, I imagine is likely dead. Um, yeah. I believe that he probably was playing in the 70s because um, it, it seems reasonable from like the accounts that I've been hearing from other people. I mean, so nobody I think would go really on the internet old. to lie, right? Yeah. Not me. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I, we're I good boys. <laughs> that it happens. And so I think it's understandable to be skeptical about the, the origins and the history of the game. But personally, I find that anecdotal evidence of the three different people that I've encountered sort of two directly mm. and then Richard Sippy indirectly um, oh. credible from what I've seen. And I think often in in the case of trying to make an oral history of something sort of obscure as a, yeah. a card game that has not taken the world by storm yet uh that there's very limited evidence it, it's hard to there's not much that's available one way or the other and we can't talk to sippy at this point about it so i do think it's reasonable to take the people uh who claim to have played for a long time at their word. And I do genuinely believe that Cuddle is at least as old as the 70s, if not more, because we don't know where it came from. And I think that's get, I mean, I think it's trending that way, because unless all three of these people have some connection to Richard Sippy, like, why would they lie? Yeah. You know, like, why, how, like, that would be such a strange mass hallucination. Not to say it hasn't happened before, but for three different people to say that they remember this game, specifically sometime in the 80s, uh, being taught to them would be uh, very wild. I do have, I, I would say that I would love to put this clip out here as please, if you have any recollection of your grandparents or parents playing a game that sounds like what we have described in this episode, please reach out. There is a server on Discord for Cuddle, and I'm sure Ryan would love to hear from you. We would love to get some more evidence and some more history on the game. Um, I do know that I, when I was designing my cuddle deck and I was actually showing people, I had a prototype printed so I could play with people. And I showed somebody at a, at PAX South, actually, I forget what year it was, maybe 2015, 2016, possibly. No, it was during the good, yeah, I think it was in the before times. So I, I would say 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. I remember sitting down with this, these folks and I was like, hey, I want to show you this game that I'm trying to put this deck, you know, this, you know, I explained the history. It's a, quite a bit of, of an exp- explanation for people. And one of the guys there was like, this plays, I think I've played this game before. My grandmother would play this game with us and she would pull out like a typed up sheet of paper that she had like all the abilities on. Yes. And I right. wish I had gotten their email, stayed in contact yeah. with this person. They were they were just like, I met him in passing, but they like they were very confident that they had played Cuddle before, 
you know, with their grandmother. So there's another piece of evidence there. And I will also say, I, this is, um, I'd have to remember who I learned this from. There was some people in my church growing up or, and in my high school, it felt like it was happening around the same time. I remember there was a game going around where you had to, the trick of the game was you had to know the rules of the game and to learn the rules of the game, you had to play mm -hmm. the game with somebody who knew the rules yeah. and they would tell, and they, they would, it would almost seem like a kind of a gotcha game because they right. would you know, tell you, oh that no, this card does this thing. And, and you'd be like, well, I didn't know that. And it's like, well, now yeah. you know. And I didn't engage with that, but in just in talking with you it, right now, it, it jogged my memory. And I was like, I wonder if that could have been Cuddle, if they could have been teaching Cuddle in a very, well, jerk Straight way. <laughs> it could be. That sounds yeah. like a game called Mal to me, which I Mal, remember Mal. hearing about in quite that mm -hmm. way. Lots of like, you, you, know, you only get it once you lose to somebody telling you how it's supposed to work sort of stuff because you can't explain the rules. Oh, it could have been that. It seems, a, 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 it seems like a, a game that you play with a deck of cards where the cards do mm -hmm. something specific it could be a yeah. very big secret society of gamers yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was another game out there like that. Well, that's yeah. a really interesting lore. Um, is there anything else that's on the top of your head? Otherwise, I'd love to talk to you about these tournaments you've been running. I am in the process of trying to trace that lore back, I'll say. So I really appreciate the call out. Like, please, if anybody does like if they've heard of cuddle previously i'd love to hear about how um in particular like some of the people who've been playing for the longest time it's really interesting to try to see where where it came from essentially um and so i i'm talking to the the player that has been playing the longest that i know essentially to try to contact the person that they learned it from and see if we can like trace that thread back so i may have an update in the future if I okay. can learn some more, which well, would be pretty cool. Always welcome. You can record the update and we can just release it on the Mega Moth Studios channel uh, just I'm as honored. a standalone. Thank you. Breaking news, Fortune Seekers. X Seekers of Fortune now has its pre-launch page live on Kickstarter. Click the link in the description below so you can be one of the first people to support X Seekers of Fortune. Also, there's probably going to be some bonuses if you support within the first 24 hours. So be on the lookout for those announcements coming soon. Thank you so much, Fortune Seekers. Please support the game, support the show by liking this episode and subscribing to our podcast. And you know what? Support each other. Back to the show. Welcome back to the show, Secret Keepers. I am your abandoned co-host, Joel Watts, finally joined by... Danny, better late than never. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, buddy. And uh, and we're joined. <laughs> we are still joined this episode by Ryan Emberling, um, the creator of Cuddle Cards and the torchbearer for the Cuddle Card game. Um, now, Ryan, when we went to break, we were teasing that we were going to start talking about these tournaments that you've been running. So why don't you start by telling us how did you first start running tournaments for Cuddle through the Cuddle Cards website? Yeah, so um, when we first launched the site back in the late summer of 2021, I basically cobbled together everybody that I could to, to try to have a synchronous event. Like, we, I played a couple random games with um, my friend Hal that uh, I, I sort of built that iteration of the site with. And um, at that point, we were like, let's get somebody else to play this basically who who, who could we possibly uh rope in 
And I just reached out to a bunch of friends, essentially, and managed to wrangle eight people. Um, and we played the first online cuddle tournament, to my knowledge, at that point. Um, that was back in, like, August of 2021. Um, and we called it the the first cuddle world championship although it wasn't as esteemed as it is now it was international though we did have one player uh coming in from uh hong kong at the time so that counts as uh, a world championship championship, right yeah Uh, Yeah. it covers all the ground in between i think by default so um that was pretty cool what was the format it was single elimination at the time um though we've Mm -hmm. since switched to double elimination um one of the, the initial concerns was like about the overall time that it was going to run. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of perspective on how long that would go. But lately, um, that, that tournament was eight people just because the eight was like as many as I could get in a room, you know, or not even in a room, but in a, in a digital space at a time. Um, and now we have like an official leaderboard and we, we do like the top eight essentially um, get slots. Mm-hmm. And now it's double elimination. That itself evolved pretty organically as well. Because after the first tournament, we started playing um, like kind of asynchronously, or not like a game would be asynchronous, but at any random time, you would just like pop into the server and say, hey, who wants to play Cuddle? And that was cool, but it is hard to find a game at a random time when you have a small community, essentially. And so we, I started the Wednesday night Cuddle event as like a synchronous time that it's like, if you show up at this time, guaranteed you can play as much cuddle as you want because you can play me because i'm going to be there and hopefully (laughs) other people will too right um and Mm -hmm. from that point like the the sort of certainty of the fact that this is a time that exists where the event is happening and you're going to be able to play kind of created a foundation as it were where like then it became like a lot more fun for more people to play because or to show up i would say because you could actually expect that there was this event and you'd be able to find other people to play um, and initially, like in the first few months of Wednesday Night Cuddle, it was just completely random. Like people weren't even playing, paying any attention to like, who am I playing right now? And you would just play mm-hmm. one game and then just jump as quickly as you could into the next one, essentially. Mm-hmm. So there was like no coherency, no scorekeeping whatsoever. Um, and that was fun, but chaotic and disorganized. Good start initially though. And then at a certain point, we uh, I asked like, do people want to keep score essentially and so we started doing that in discord and the way that we kept track in discord kind of evolved into what the leaderboard is today um it's from the outset always been totally steeped in the honor system which i think is something that's pretty cool about the cuddle community because people are respectful and it just interested in like having a good time and competing seriously while like acknowledging when they're beaten so mm-hmm. what we did is we made a thread for every week and you would enter your username in if you wanted to compete. And then uh-huh. anybody that you beat who also had their username in would give a cuddle reaction to your okay. name. And uh-huh. sort of just by virtue of how reactions work in Discord, like you could only add your name once to somebody else. So it was like you would play your match and we would play best two out of three. And whoever lost would like honor the other person with a little cuddle dot. And then you can okay. still play if you wanted, but like that was it for your for the score yeah. essentially at that point between those two players. And the idea about this was like, this is something we could track pretty easily in discord. Then you can look at somebody's name, see who has the most cuddle logo like reactions and they win for the week essentially. Um, 
but it also kind of had the advantage of encouraging people to play each other. So you don't necessarily just have two people who like already know each other and are pairing up and they're just playing a bunch because it's like the way that you win is you beat everybody else. Um, and so that's kind of evolved into our current leaderboard system where we um, we try to lean into the, the standard deck theme. So, you know, there, there's 52 weeks in a year. There's 52 cards in a deck. And so we split the year into four seasons, one pursuit that are 13 weeks each. Right now we're in the spades season. Um, that ends at the end of the calendar year. And so every week we count how many unique opponents everybody beats, essentially, in their best two out of three match. And um, whoever gets the most match wins gets five points for the week. And then four points for second place, three points for third, two points if you win at least one match. Uh, but don't place, and one point if you play at least one match, but don't beat anybody, essentially. Um, and that gives you a score, like you get points every week, and the top eight earn a spot in the tournament at the end of the season. So we have four season championships every year. Those are double elimination tournaments um, with placing, like tie-breaking matches. So like the people who are knocked out of the loser's bracket for seven and eight play each other to see who gets seven uh, and same with five and six. And then your place in the season championships earns you points towards a spot in Worlds, essentially. So at the end of the year, the top eight players based on like season championship tournament performance earn a place in the World Championship. Wow, that that's like a full like, you know, calendar year. You're, you guys are going yeah. like tennis players over there. Now, you mentioned um, that you started with single elimination, but then you mm -hmm. changed it to a double elimination tournament. Now you said uh, you did that primarily, you started single elimination due to time, but what reasons right. did you move, like this double elimination takes longer, but it obviously is worth more for you to take that extra time. Can you explain why y'all use the double elimination format? Yeah, I would say the two main reasons are it's more exciting to watch because a comeback is like a really cool thing to see happen when it's possible. And kind of following the like the melee scene, we do use a bracket reset as well. So like the, the person coming from the loser's bracket has to beat their opponent to reset the bracket and then win another uh, match. Um, and we also, for, for the, the last few matches of the tournament, we switched to best three out of five. Um, which sort of ups the ante a little bit and helps to to reduce some of the noise that you get with the randomness of a card game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, kind of reminds me of the NBA right there. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think is really great about Double Illumination is people who play get to play more cuddle, you know? Like, you're not just immediately knocked out as soon as you lose. And in particular, because the the score in your your like season championship tournaments earns you a spot and determines your seed in worlds. There's like still skin in the game, even if you're not going to win the whole tournament necessarily, which keeps the stakes relatively um, high the whole time in a way that I think is pretty exciting. Um, so even like after you're eliminated and you can just play your tiebreaker match for like fifth versus six, for example, like that could determine whether you wind up in worlds or not. And so okay. it's still worth like, giving it your all and playing another good match of cuddle at that point. Believing in the heart. Wait, how many the active players do you think you have at this point? Active is such a tricky thing to mm -hmm. count. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a few ways that I think about that. Like the two main measurements 
that I use for like growth of the community at this point are the number of people that play at least one game of Cuddle in a week and the number of games that are played in that week. And we basically, and I, I put a graph of this on the site because I, I wanted to know, and I was like tracking this regularly and I was like, you know what? I could just make a little chart and then I'll see those things. Um, and it turned out to be easier and I kind of like this open source public vibe of it to just put it on the site so anybody can see it as well. Um, and so it, by that measurement, we're averaging between like 20 and 30 to 35 players playing between like 100 and 200 games a week um, okay. wow. or so. Um, uh, double, double, triple digit number of games a week for mm -hmm. that many players. Yeah. yeah. You guys have a dedicated fan base. <laughs> Right. And I, I think the, the leaderboard um, keeps it engaging in that way because, like, there's always sort of that possibility of uh, moving up for this week or for next if this week is kind of a wash in a way. And something that I, I really am pleased with about how the competitive format has, has come together for us is that any random week, like, can add up ultimately to a spot in a season championship, which then could add up to Worlds. And like, if, if you get first place in any of the season championships, that's enough points that it, it's not, it, it's a little hard to math out exactly the hard limits, but you are very likely to get a spot in Worlds if you win any of the season championships. Um, but also if you just get into all of the season championships and you do okay, that also is likely to get you a spot, but not necessarily guaranteed in the same way. Mm -hmm. And all of that comes down to like how weekly matches go on the leaderboard. So there's this really transparent, and relatively linear path from like you walk in on the street and you just start playing with us and like mm -hmm. you could be the next world champion in like a legitimately international streamed tournament yeah i mean so it sounds like all you have to do is you know go to the discord get in the discord go to cuddle.cards and like you said you just keep playing games play unique opponents you'll rack up points and you can go from being a zero to you know, in the heart tournament later this, uh, this year, what's the, spades, what, what tournament yeah. are y'all in? We're in space. Cause it's the end of the year. We do, we do it in the same like suit order as the yeah. game. So clubs first, then diamonds, then hearts. And now we're in spades through the end of the year. Spades tournament will be in January. And then the world tournament shortly after that in late Jan, maybe Feb. Okay. And Danny, did you have something? Yeah. I mean, is there a consensus best player in the world right now? It is contested. I'll say, hmm. but, um, there, there's a player named who goes by Ergosa who has won the past two season championships in a row, which has otherwise only been done by one player, G-Man. Um, and G-Man's been playing since like the launch of the site, basically. Um, and is a really strong player. But Ergosa's been looking very strong. Like winning both of those season championships. In the last one, I believe he dropped one game the entire tournament. We play best two out of three and then best three out of five for the last uh, wow. bit. So he's been playing really very well. Um, both of those two I'll note are some of the most aggressive players in the world, um, which I think is really interesting because when you start playing Cuddle in particular, the appeal of playing slow is very clear to card game players. Like the way you can accrue value over time by drawing cards and trying to like find an answer that's going to maximize the amount of card advantage you get is very familiar. Whereas like the, the value of just going for the throat and like trying to secure a quick win is 
more subtle and difficult to suss out essentially um so a lot of people i think are surprised when they find out that like some of the top players right now are very aggressive in general nice i would love yeah. we should watch the vods of those but yeah i am surprised i see the logic though because if if your rival or your opponent, I should say, for this game is trying to draw into an answer and you're just putting the pressure on them and they don't have the answer in their hand from the get go, then you could just win. Yeah, they, you could you could waltz into the victory. And if they present the answer, then you could just reset and be like, well, you gave up one of your answers. Let me now let me pressure you again and see if you have another answer up your sleeve. Right, unless you spread yourself too thin and lose everything, which totally happens sometimes as well. So there's yeah. real give and take there. And something that I think is really cool, which we sort of like touched on a little bit earlier, but didn't get into that, in my opinion, differentiates Cuddle and, and X for that matter, and like single deck battle games mm -hmm. essentially, is unlike pre-constructed deck games like Magic, like Yu-Gi-Oh!, where like so much of the strategy within the game is determined by the construction of your deck and the meta game matchup against the other player before you even start, right? Um, in Cuddle, you don't have a, a strategy for a game when you just walk into it. And I think this, the same applies for X. You have to play to the draw, basically. So even an aggressive player like Ergosa or like G-Man, they, they don't just blindly go aggro every time. That It can't work. You can't force that. It's all about... Mm -hmm finding the opportunity to leverage an offense and like to turn an offensive run into advantage and ultimately into a win, which both of those players in particular are very skilled at doing. But um, it, it's it's not something that you can force. And while people get play styles that really come through and it's something that's very interesting to watch, especially at a competitive level, in my opinion, um, nobody can start the game with like a rigid plan because it's right. all about the give and take, which I think is super cool. Very That's cool. exactly the same way it is with X. I, I think in order to be good at X, you have to understand that you're going to be on a different game plan every game. And if you're too rigid, you're just not going to be that winning because some games you're meant to be aggressive and some games you're meant to be controlling, you know? Right. So absolutely understand that, that, that sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did have one more question about the tournaments uh, really mm -hmm. quick. Uh, you mentioned there's like, what did you say, around 20 very active players uh, of Cuddle at the moment. As your audience grows, is there mm -hmm. any plans on how to maybe extend out the, uh, t I don't know, the tournament into yeah. like multiple bracket, multiple like sub brackets, like, oh, you made the invitation to the tournament, so you're an A pool that is fighting for a place to be in the top eight or something like that? Yeah, so uh, one note I want to make, because measurements are so tricky. It's actually yeah. not that we've got like 20 people okay. necessarily who are actively playing. It's that, that right now there are 50, uh, I don't know, something like 60-ish people that are on the leaderboard for this season in total. Okay. And there are about 20 that play in any given week. So we've got like a kind of bigger pool and then like at any given interval, we'll have between 20 and 30 of those people who show up and play. Plus, some of the people that play aren't playing ranked and they don't show up on the leaderboard, but they get counted in that stat. So it's somewhere along those lines. There's, it's kind of the ballpark of how many uh, quote-unquote active players we have. Um, right. But for sure, the competitive scene is going to evolve, like the competitive format will evolve as the community grows. I want to keep as much as possible 
not any specific element of the structure, but the general principle that like there is a path from which playing ranked can earn you a spot in championship tournaments that can earn you a spot in the world championship tournament. Like to the extent that it continues to be viable for us to do so, I think that is exciting. It makes the stakes tangible in a way that that mm -hmm. are fun to engage with for the players and, and for me, both as a, a player and community manager. Um, but uh, the, the tournament structure and various things about the format will almost certainly need to change as we say double in size or even like if, if we get 10 times as many people. Um, and there, there's a few areas, like there's the leaderboard itself and the rules for scoring and points there. And then there's like tournaments. Um, so right now I mentioned you can get five points for first place, four points for second place, three points for third, two points for a win and one point if you just play, but don't win. So one thing is if we get way more people, we'll likely increase the scores such that there's like a wider band essentially, okay. because yeah. right now, if you imagine a whole bunch of people packed into these increments where there's only a range from zero to five points in a mm -hmm. week. Um, you have more ties in a way that would sort of be muddy and like not not work as well for like a, a real leaderboard system. So sparsing out or spacing out like the, the point system is one way that we could keep it sort of a little more ambiguous. And then I would think, I mean, there, there's a couple ways and I'm not going to commit to one until we get a, you know, get grown to a point where it becomes important that we change things about the competitive format. But one thing we could do quite easily would be just increase the number of people competing and change the tournament format. Like it wouldn't be out of the question to do a Swiss style. And then you could play comfortably with 32 people. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Or, I mean, there's lots of forms like that. Like you could do Swiss and then cut to top eight or Swiss um, or, or like groups, right? And then cut to something like top eight and do maybe single a limb. That tends to be more common when you've got like a multi-stage tournament along those lines. Um, so all of those are on the table, both for changing the point system for the leaderboard and the actual format for the, um, the tournaments themselves. I'm kind of thinking about the evolution of the competitive format, mostly like one year at a time. And I mean, it's possible that we could have so much growth in a given year that like that disrupts the format for a given year. But um, the the rules that I described kind of came together as an iteration for 2023 in a way that are revised and I think streamlined from what we played in 2022. And they're, they're working quite nicely. And I think we're well poised for these to work well through 2024 as well. And if at that point we've grown sufficiently that it makes sense for us to basically like open things up so that more people can compete at the highest level because we have more total people playing, then I, I'm totally open to that. But it's important still that the number of people who get to compete, like that earning the privilege of competing in a championship tournament is still an accomplishment, essentially. And doing that means that it's, it's not everybody who plays is going to get that spot. But it can well, yeah, still it can. be like a percentage that's reasonable, essentially. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, as it grows and as the numbers come in, it'll change your perception of how to, you know, yeah. try to cast a wider net to get more of those great players out. I mean, as long as you're pulling up the people who are really good at the game and giving them a chance to compete on that day in the tournament, I'm sure it'll work out. Now, it seems to me uh, that Cuddle.cards is a huge... Um, 
how should I say, uh, you know, it's a huge endeavor. And from what I understand, you're not the only person behind the scenes making it happen. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the people you've collaborated with and how you go about with this collaborative process to make the site? Yeah, I mean, so historically, it's always been a collaborative process for me. Um, even from the the first iteration that I mentioned uh, early on, that was like a pre-alpha, essentially, um, where it was technically possible to play, but a pretty unpleasant user experience. Um, but I, I was learning so much and, and working on that project with uh, a good friend of mine, Sam Tolkien, who uh, doesn't work in programming at this point. Um, he has his, his own business as an educational therapist. Um, but we were like learning about programming together by working on this project and we got a version that was workable and it was a huge accomplishment and a big level up in our, our technical chops. And then after that, uh, when I finished grad school, it was my friend Hal who approached me, um, who asked like if I wanted to basically rebuild the cuddle site in a way that was intended to be like more fun to play essentially and to help you learn the rules of the game. And that took about a year. And at that point we were meeting basically once a week for a year to go over like, what's the status? What do we have left to do? And because the rules of the game are already defined and we knew you needed to sign up, log in, make a game, join a game, start a game, play. And these are the rules. Like we had a punch list that was pretty concrete of the stuff that needed to, to work. And we worked through it and then launched. And that was kind of a two person partnership at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and that and, was the really not good user experience version of the site, correct? Sorry, this is the second iteration that it oh, comes along Oh, second, okay. Sorry. Yeah. So, so that, this is I mean, when it's it still started to look more then. like for the public. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and then it was after that point that mm -hmm. um, I sort of started posting about it on Reddit and some for like people to play and some in like technical forums about programming. And mm -hmm. I met uh, my now dear friend, Sean Kennedy, who um, encouraged me to open source the project essentially. And so he has been enormously helpful on the technical side of making Cuddle um, work smoothly and uh, like be fun to program on in ways that are sort of technical, but like that just smoothen the experience. Uh, and I've also got a whole bunch of help um, from a friend of mine, the, the one who actually taught me like the basics of programming web stuff to make that tic-tac-toe game. His name's mm -hmm. Scotty Eckenthal, and he's, okay. he's helped in a number of ways over the years. And now the project is open source, which means anybody can read the code and contribute basically. So if somebody's interested in learning programming skills or in practicing programming skills, they can do so by working on a real site that is played by people every week and if they also like card games they can come and play and like actively see the fruits of their labor live in the environment as soon as the work is done which is pretty cool and the site is sort of complex enough that it's got all of the technical bells and whistles that like are worth practicing if you want to learn anything about web development essentially but it's not this like monstrously complicated enterprise Thing that's impenetrable to other programmers, which has made it really nice sort of Goldilocks level of you can learn a whole lot about programming by making improvements to Cuddle. And if you bring to it something that you're interested in, um, you can work on sort of any side of it. Like somebody recently came in who really likes animation. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> 
his name is Rafa Font, and he's put together some really cool, just like juicing up the experience transitions and animations that make it like more delightful to to interact with the site. That's extremely cool. Other people who have a focus on like architecture or real time communication can come in and sort of tune things up, add features, or just engage with the code in technical ways. And at this point, there have been something like seventy contributors to the project overall. Um, we participated in an event called Hacktoberfest uh, for the past two years. And that's basically like an open source event that encourages people like from anywhere, come find an open source project, contribute to it. And Cuddle's on the list for one that you can do. And it's um, it's like a huge time for us. I mean, it's kind of insane. We Outside of Hacktoberfest, we've been doing something like 10 updates a week, maybe 15. And this past, not week, Jesus, a month. Um, okay. This past <laughs> October, we had mm-hmm. 55, I think, that went live of different updates, oh, wow. di- all kinds of things, features, and fixes, what, the whole. What game. kind of yeah? What kind of updates? Can you give us some real examples of maybe what you deployed here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest features that we had pretty recently, which we can actually see if uh, if you both like to play um, towards the yeah. end, is a rematch yeah. feature. Where oh, basically, nice. um, right after a game, you used to like there's a go home button and then you can make a new game and start it, but this just like jumps you into another game essentially. Yeah. Um, just like a fighting so video game would have, like Street Fighter 6 yeah, probably has that same feature. Yeah. So that's a really handy one. Um, we've also been slowly redesigning the application. Like the, the game, like player versus player experience, was by far the most polished. We put all of the effort there at the beginning and very little to the other things like signing in and uh, even looking at the leaderboard. And so we've been slowly getting the whole site to look and feel of the same like caliber and quality as the actual player versus player experience. Um, There's also been uh, a, a fair bit of work in animation recently. Like in particular, there's this game log that's like text of the different moves that have happened on the side when you're playing. And um, there are a few moves that it used to be the case that like, in order to know fully what just happened, you have to look at the text to see which card was chosen. So for example, if I play a four on you, you discard two cards from your hand and you pick what those two cards are. And visually I would see like your cards are not revealed to me, right? So I would see two cards like fade out from your hand and then I can look at the text of the history to see, oh, you discarded the three of clubs and the four of spades, right? Now there's an animation that like flips those two cards over and like moves them. So you can visually see it without having to read nice. the text. That's That's a, uh, yeah, so love the things that sort of clarify and just make it like a little juicier, you know, to interact uh-huh. with it. I think they call that- Is there a white whale? Term. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, is there a white like an whale? Easter egg? Like something you're chasing that you haven't quite been able to oh, implement man. or is yeah. like- you know, a zillion, honestly. Okay, so I, I am so chock full of a thousand ways I want to improve this site. Um, I'm okay. I'm trying currently to wrap my head around prioritizing some of the big initiatives, each of which are going to take months. I would love to build the versus AI experience into the main site. It's currently just like a separate thing that we link to, and it, it totally works. You can learn to play cuddle with it, but it's not as good as the PVP experience is and making it easier to just like get started learning to play cuddle with a better bot would be really worthwhile, but a big effort. Another thing is like other game modes. 
I would love to build Cutthroat for when you've got an odd number of people to play, like 1v1v1. It just feels really different in a way that's super fun um, and very much my speed. That would be amazingly cool. And I'd love to start recording all of the individual moves and the resulting game states that get made um, in a way that would let us have like replays so that you could watch a game that's already been played and see it like turn by turn. What happened next? What happened next? Uh, kind of like a movie. The, those are a couple awesome. off the cuff. Okay. That's very cool. I do like the, uh, the idea of uh, implementing Cutthroat. Um, just just yeah. so I know, um, I, don't, I haven't read the rules to Cutthroat, but I do love the idea of multiplayer cuddle. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there anything inherently that changes in the way the game plays, or is it just essentially yes. a third person plays at the table? Okay, so what's different? The biggest change is the reduction in how many points you need to win. Oh, okay. um, normally, you need 21 points to win, and the most you can get in a single play is 10, which means uh -huh. it's three moves, right? I play offensively, mm -hmm. and then my opponent can do something, right? And uh, then I play offensively again, and then my opponent has one second chance to do something, and then I get my third move and I win. And so the key thing about that is like two defensive opportunities before yeah. I win, after I first make an offensive move. And if you have more people and you keep the goal the same, instead it's like doubled. You would have four defensive opportunities if you're trying to get to 21 so nobody ever wins. So instead we play to 14, which you could do in two moves. That means as soon as you make one offensive move, everybody else is in check. And something that's really cheeky and cool about Cutthroat is that I play points, say, right? Like nine points. And now it's Danny's turn. Danny, there are still two defensive opportunities, but one comes from each player. One's from Danny, oh, one's from Joel. Yeah. Which means Danny now is in the position of like, do we deal with this? Like, Ryan's a threat. Do we stop him right now? Or do I just help myself? say, screw you, Joel, you go fix this problem, and I'm going to draw a card to help myself, or I'm going to play a card. Now you're in check from both of us, but Joel has to stop Ryan, and Ryan's got to stop Danny, and it's this whirlwind of betrayal where you're kind of pushing your luck. But if you go too far, and Joel's like, screw you, or if, if Danny just keeps saying, like, Joel, you deal with Ryan, you deal with it, I'm going to better myself, eventually Joel can't stop me, and you both lose. Mm-hmm. Much more of the game of politics that I imagine Cuddle to be presented as. And it's the thing that I really enjoy yeah. about it is it's not exactly political as far as like favoritism goes for the most part. I mean, different people play differently for sure, but oh, even yeah. if you're completely cold blooded cutthroat, mechanically uh -huh. thinking about like, I want to squeeze the other person every opportunity, mm -hmm. but like, how much can I do that before I just lose as well? Right, because if I keep forcing the other person to be my defensive barrier, they can't always do it. Like, do they actually have the option right now? And if not, what am I going to do about it and when? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that you get a cutthroat up and running because when you do, you're going to come back and Danny, you and me are going to play yeah. a round of cutthroat for the uh, for the show, and you'll just see how much Danny will screw me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to have to deal with Ryan 100% of the time. <laughs> yes. if, I might even help Ryan. I don't know. I don't even yeah. yeah. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, so we're, we're getting close. We're getting close to the big, the big story here. Um, I wanted to just ask two. I, I had two questions left. And Danny, if you have anything else, uh, you know, fit or squeeze them in between these two questions, maybe. Um, the big one is you were kind of alluding to this. Um, but just to really ask you more directly and to get your visionary uh, mind going, 
where do you see Cuddle in five years? What are what are your goals for Cuddle five years from now? Cuddle.cards, I would say. I would love to see Cuddle become like the chess of card games. And I really think it has the the refinement, the distilled strategy under uncertainty that captures the essence of the battle card game genre in a way that is focused, versatile, and deep. So I think mm -hmm. the, the game has the legs to, to go that role. I don't think five years is a timeline to achieve that notoriety necessarily, but I mean, the way that I've been thinking about it is um, since I started playing the game 10 years ago, I've pretty much only been able to play with people that I taught the game to directly until I launched the site. Um, and so at that point, like at, at a random time, you usually couldn't, um, I couldn't play a game of cuddle anytime I wanted, essentially. Um, and only after launching the site, did it become possible to play at specific times where we've got our events. And mm -hmm. now that the site has grown significantly, it's like, it's much more practical as well to find a random person to play with at an odd hour, like any time that's outside of an event. Um, but someday I want us to grow to a point where you could consistently find a game of cuddle any time of day, anywhere in the mm -hmm. world. If you want to play, you could play right now because there's somebody who wants to play you. Yeah. That is like my vision essentially. Nice. I think I think with the Discord, you're you're definitely going to get there. Where all around the world, people will be playing the game, and I do. I mean, like, hey, I, we're not going to sit here and lie to you. We want Executors of Fortune to be the chess of uh, card games, but you know, you I will say, Cuddle is a little bit more stripped down even than our game, mm -hmm. so it might be a little easier to make that uh, immediate connection versus our game is more like you know that next step up. If uh, Cuddle is chess, Executors of Fortune might be, uh, I don't know, Risk. Or, you know, uh, something something like that. I'm trying to think of the other, like, early board games. Stratego, you know, something where it's, like, it's chess, it's strategic chess elements, but in a different, you know, kind of more souped-up way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the second question I had is, you know, because this is, this is... So, you learned web development through making Cuddle. Mm -hmm. I made my decks of Cuddle, which I still hold dear to me, and that taught me how to make how to design cards to make X Seekers of Fortune with Danny. Now that you're, you have the website set up, do you have specific plans or ideas of how to get a physical card game out there? Or is this something where somebody else might have to pick up the torch? That's a good question. And I think it depends on the timeline. I mean, mm -hmm. it's something that has generally been at the heart of the sort of open source approach that I've had to cuddle is I want to create a space and a community where if somebody is interested in improving Cuddle, the Cuddle site, the Cuddle community in a way that like makes it more fun or gratifying to play or engage with the game, and they've got an idea, like bring it to the table and we can find a way to make it happen. Um, and I, I think that also extends outside of the site itself. Uh, including to something like a physical print run. So to the extent that you're still interested, Joel, I very much would like to talk with you about it because truthfully, a physical print run is not something that I'm particularly experienced in, though I mm -hmm. think it, it has a lot of potential in a number of really exciting ways. 
Um, so it's something I'd be happy to discuss further in short. And folks should stay tuned for any further notes on that. I th I'm always going to have a soft spot for Cuddle. I'd say if you're looking for somebody with experience in printing, uh, let me get through X Seekers of Fortune. I'm going to have a yeah. ton of experience in printing things. So maybe it might not be this. It might not be the 2024 or might not be at the beginning of 2024, but I will, uh, after we run our Kickstarter and get our game back from the printers, I'll know a lot more about that and Danny as well. Um, Godspeed. So we'll have definite experience in that field. So Danny, did you have any other questions about the Cuddle experience, the future of Cuddle, anything like that? Well, I'm sure this was covered in the first half of the episode, but I'm curious, I'm gonna ask anyway. Do we yeah. know who created Cuddle? We don't. Is it like it's totally mysterious. I mean, there there's controversy about it. The oldest known record of the rule set that is written um, is a GeoCities website that is down now. It was up in like the early 2000s, made by a guy named Richard Sippy, who we think is is likely deceased. Uh, so we can't ask him about it. But he claimed to have been playing since the 70s and not to have invented the game. Some people have accused him essentially of making that up and like inventing the game after Magic in like the 2000s essentially and then writing his site as if he'd been playing since then. Personally, I've met um, two people online, one of whom I, I play with somewhat regularly, who have said that they've been playing since the 80s, which to me quite substantiates the the supposition that the game is as old as the 70s, and probably that Richard Sippy didn't invent it because if he did, I, I think it would be perfectly reasonable to present it as something that he, he made himself. So with that, like nobody really knows where it actually came from. And I'm on the hunt to try to figure out uh, what we can by tracing it back. Yeah. And I had anecdotal, an anecdotal story myself where, uh, Danny, when I went to pack South, I went with my cuddle deck and I showed some people who I met there. I think I went with Samson, our old friend, and he had some friends we met there. And one of his old friends said, Hey, this is a game that my grandmother played with us. And she would pull out a piece of paper with the typed rules on it and hand it out to everybody so they could play the game with her so that they would know what the cards did. So I also have like, uh, at the very least, a anecdotal, like, secondhand, like, this game does extend backwards. And if I, maybe I should reach out to Samson, see if I can, he can remember which friend that was and get me back in contact with him. Um, but yeah, we did a call to action earlier. I'll do it again in case this one's better. But please, if you're out there watching the show and you think somebody in your family, somebody in your life has shown you Cuddle before and you just didn't know the name, or you knew the name and this is just you, you're the first time you're hearing anybody else but your grandparents or your uncle talking about it, please go to the Cuddle Discord and reach out to Ryan here so that you can tell him your story. You can get him in contact with the people that uh, you knew who played it. And hopefully we might be able to tr get this bread, bread trail back to maybe a creator, maybe somebody who at the very least was around during its inception, something like that. We would love to get, uh, but while they might still be alive, we would love to get them on the story or finding out that the game is so much older that the person who created it is not alive, but we have proof that it goes back, you know, to the, you know, even further than the 1970s. Well, it sounds like the creator was probably Satoshi Nakamoto. So we'll just leave it there. Satoshi and, uh, Nakamoto. Decided. Oh, is that the creator of Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Danny. That's a very edge word uh, joke of you. <laughs> I learned from the best. 
<laughs> All right. Or the worst, depending on how you think about it. All right. So we have one more. Uh, so we got one more big question for you. It's going to be a story um, before we go into Danny and I playing our uh, his first round of cuddle and you know showing off your beautiful site cuddle dot cards. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to find out where do you want people to find you? Where do you want people to find cuddle? Not that we haven't mentioned it enough, but one more call to action I say is warranted for your time. So where should they go if they want to learn more about cuddle and interact with your community? Yeah, so please check out my site at cuddle.cards. That's C-U-T-T-L-E dot cards. Um, and join our Discord if you want to talk about it. So the, the site is great for learning the rules, playing the bot, uh, and where you actually play the game. And the Discord community is where you can meet the humans and like learn the rules, uh, or learn the strategy rather. Like if you want to talk to some of the best players in the world or other um, other folks who, who are less experienced, like we're all very happy to meet a new player, show you the ropes. Um, that's where we host our weekly events, Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern and, uh, and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. We always have people online on, on a voice call usually, but also just on the site um, playing Cuddle. So the site and the Discord are, are the best places to be for all things Cuddle. Excellent. And if they come to that Discord because their grandfather showed them how to play cuddle when they were eight years old and they are having flashbacks hard to, to their defeats at the hands of their grandfather and they want to tell you all about it, who would they ask for when they get into the server? Um, Aleph1. That's A-L-E-P-H underscore O-N-E. Excellent. Well, that leaves us with the big teased at the beginning uh, story that you might have. You have had the distinction of playing Cuddle with the one, the only, the creator of magic, the king of Tokyo himself, Richard Garfield. Tell us, how did you get in contact with Richard Garfield and what was it like showing him Cuddle? The greatest achievement of my geekdom. Um, and yes. I, I had for years like since I learned the game just assumed essentially that mm -hmm. Richard must have played cuddle because the, the overlap with magic is so striking. And I think this is in part where, where some of the skepticism comes about the age of cuddle, because when you learn the rules, it's like, Oh, these are magic cards. Like maybe it was taken the other way around. Yeah. Um, but I believed that the game was as old as it was purported to be. And so I figured like, Richard probably played so many of the effects, like almost everyone um, has some corresponding magic card. And yeah. to not only, not only corresponding, but early magic card, like alpha right. level magic card. Yeah. And um, to an extent, I mean, I think that some of that makes sense in light just of the fact that in this battle card game space, there are certain effects that make kind of intuitive sense, like drawing cards or making your opponent discard or destroying things that are already on the field in some capacity, perhaps by a type category, you know? Um, but still, it's so striking. And I just, I thought it has to be the case. Like, how could it not? It's like card for card. All of these line up so nicely. And playing Cuddle really feels a lot like playing Magic with a regular deck of cards. Uh, and eventually, I basically looked up um, his site, which at the time had his email address on it. I don't think it does anymore. So I don't think he necessarily wants people doing this out of the blue. I hope it's not because I reached out to him, but I cold <laughs> emailed him. I was like, hey, mm -hmm. 
Um, have you heard of Cuddle? It's like a lot like Magic. I was wondering if it inspired the game, essentially. And yeah. to my amazement, he responded. And I'm still like shaking over thinking of the fact that he, he bothered to answer my random email. But he was incredibly gracious about it and very straightforward and honest and said, no, he hadn't heard of the game. Uh, but it sounded interesting. And if I wanted, he'd be happy to let me teach it to him on my site. And I practically fainted. <laughs> I was like, I just, I, like, how do you respond to this? Like, this idol of mine, this amazing game designer, brilliant guy, enormously successful, made one of my favorite games growing up, um, and so many other amazing ones, is, like, not only willing to talk to me at all but like thinks that cuddle is cool and would like to try playing it on my site like oh my god i my wife could not get me to shut up about it for like a long time <laughs> um and it took a few months before uh, -huh. uh we were able to find a time but then like we met on zoom and i taught him to play cuddle and we played on my site and it was amazing I mean, he, he gave me some uh, design advice, which is really helpful, like the mechanics of how you click a card and then the options pop up and then you click one of the options was his suggestion, essentially. Oh, Initially, nice. I was very tied to this idea of like physically placing the cards where you would put them when you're playing in person in a uh -huh. way that was kind of constraining. And I was trying to find a balance of showing you what your options were without like too many clicks. And that doing it this way of like you click a card and then your options appear and you click the option makes so much sense i'm really grateful to richard for that suggestion in particular and we talked yeah. about like game design and cuddle he quite enjoyed the game he then like followed up and gave me the testimonial that's on the site which mm -hmm. involves saying like if he'd knew it in college he would have worn decks ragged through play which i totally get i also learned the game myself after college but like right after college and I would have played a dangerous amount of cuddle in college, I think, if I knew it at the time, because it just, it's a lot of fun. Well, you could um, have been in that perfect environment to teach a lot of people about the game. Like yes, you said. Like, I know. Once you learned the game, you started apostolizing for it. So you would have been right, right there going around your college, meeting people just to teach them the game. Yeah. Starting up yep. a club, for all I know. Yeah, uh, quite possibly. And, like, and flunking out of school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Perhaps it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But should we jump um, in? Yeah. Oh, did you sure. want to go ahead and play a game, Danny? How long how they how long are they? They're not that long. Uh, well, first Five. off, before before we do that, uh -huh. you heard it here, folks. Cuddle card game. Richard Garfield approved. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show unless uh Ryan, was there anything else that you had on the top of your mind that you wanted to get out before the end of this broadcast? I mean, really, I just wanted to thank you both, Joel and Danny, for inviting me on the show. I really appreciate it. I hope uh, I hope you had as much fun talking about and even playing some cuddle as I did. And, mm -hmm. uh, of course, to extend an ongoing open invitation to you both to hang out for some Wednesday Night Cuddle, if you're ever interested. That's where I'm going in, in uh, a few minutes. So yeah, because yeah, we need to get you out of here for that. Uh, if I didn't already have a couple plans tonight, I think I would have just transitioned right into that. Um, I think uh, I'm really looking forward to having a Wednesday where I can just, you know, stay at home. But with Wednesday being one of my few off days, I tend to try to make plans going out. Um, 
Awesome. Danny, was there anything, any last minute things you wanted to say? Anything in the X Secrets of Fortune news that you want to you want to bring up here at the end? Any announcements? You know, I mean, just that, you know, Tuesday Night X is is ever transforming. Um, we have Emmy Corpacon from TikTok now um, anchoring it uh, with the stream. So if you want to cool. come hang out with Corpacon uh, and Bryant, uh, J Crane 87, uh, from from TikTok and Laird uh, is also streaming on Twitch. Everyone is welcome to come out, and uh, if you want, you can even end up playing a, a featured match on stream. So, um, would yeah. be happy to have anyone who wants to be here. And uh, yeah, if you are looking for games on a weeknight, you have a one-two punch: Tuesday night X and Wednesday night Cuddle. That is a great way to get through the middle of the week. So, <laughs> talk about Hump Day. <laughs> All right, folks. And yeah, be on the lookout, you know, definitely be following us. Uh, there's a lot of evolution going on with X Seekers of Fortune. Follow us at Megamoth Studios on TikTok um, and definitely follow X underscore Seekers underscore of underscore Fortune on Instagram. That's where you're going to find the most up to date information. And there actually might be some something like a tournament in our future, maybe even some bounties for you to collect if you're a treasure seeker. Ooh. But right now, Seeker, keep, seeker Keepers, this has been Ryan, this has been Danny, and I have been Joel, reminding you that you must start somewhere. So why not here? Do you think there's any way to change the rules of Cuddle such that Joel can never win? Oh, easily.